You must not be stampeded by rumors or guesses. Let us unite in banishing fear. It is your problem, my friend. Your problem no less than it is mine. This is the Spud Goodman Show. You're listening to Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Let's get ready, Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, Andor Ola. I am Spud Goodman. Attention, call manager. Attention, call manager. Welcome to another episode of our little podcast, Inside the Spud Goodman Show. On this one, we're going to take a look back at the most memorable moment episode, originally aired in July of 2015, and it featured actor and comedian Jim Gaffigan, uh, former member of the rock band The Runaways, Cherie Curry, and musical guest Battersea. Now, I can't really say, you know, how inside we're going to go on this one, uh, you know, uh, but, but I have a feeling it's going to be pretty darn deep. There have uh, been a few episodes of this new podcast where we've gotten so deep that I later experienced the bends, not the real bends, but sort of kind of like that. Like, like I have, you know, a tough time sleeping that night or, uh, you know, I kind of get a, a severe case of the munchies and I'll clean out my cupboard of, you know, of anything sweet or and or salty uh, the next morning the area around my recliner in the living room looks like a landfill wrappers and empty bags everywhere you know and, wh- and when i see it all i feel is total shame so i'm just saying that i am willing to suffer for my art okay uh, maybe this this thing is not art uh, i should probably rephrase that but anyway you get the point right now i need to introduce our designated laugher my dorothy uh, show everyone your skill set it's pretty impressive how about going from a guffaw to a chuckle and end up with a really hearty belly laugh. Oh, yeah. I'm not really up for that level of effort right now, Spud. We're just getting started here. How about a nice chuckle? Fine. I, I guess I guess that'll have to do. <laughs> and I hope you're not going to say much on this show that will require laughing on my part. Today has not been that great for me. If you weren't my nephew, I would have called in sick to spend some time at home recharging my batteries. All right. Duly noted. Uh, I'll try and abstain from being really witty or super amusing. Uh, Will that make you happy? Yes. Okay, then. Now I'm required to acknowledge our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. I I hope you have a like a decent attitude right now. I, I I can only handle so many disgruntled coworkers. Okay, me? No, no. I I'm excited to be here doing this episode of our podcast. I, I took a little time before I came to the studio uh, to prepare a very short statement that I would love to deliver to our listeners. I, I, I promise I won't take up much time. What do you say, Spud? <sighs> uh, just make it quick, then. Really? Okay. Uh, Well, uh, my name is Gerald Holcomb. What? I already said that. Oh, right, right. Okay. Well, and I would love to inspire those now listening to me as I have a few tips on how to jumpstart your efforts to make the best version of yourself possible. Now, the first step you need to do is to... Um, always... Hey, can you maybe save those 10 or 14 steps for after the show? Well, uh, like, like do a live feed, you know, with your tips uh, on your Facebook page that you share with your wife. 
Facebook Live. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, you know what? I hadn't thought of that. Uh, I don't know how many people I would reach as I only have 84 followers, and, and some of them are my wife Rachel's friends that, uh, well, they don't really care for me. So I, I doubt that they would watch the broadcast. You never know once you go live, you know? Give well, it a shot. N now I need to introduce our show's intern, Chance. Can I have a, or I want can I ask, you know, like a personal question, Chance? Are you the reason my aunt is so bummed out right now? I mean, what? Uh, did she, did you cheat on her? I'm just I'm asking. I'm just gonna ask if right up face. Yeah, whatever. I mean, your wedding is like later this year. I mean, couldn't you have waited until after you were back from the honeymoon? I did not cheat on Dorothy, and I didn't cause her current feelings of melancholy. I'm just giving her space to work through her feelings. And that is just another reason why I love you, babe. You give me space when I need it. Well, if, if it wasn't chance that has you depressed, what is it? Well, it's personal, Spud, and I won't be discussing it on this stupid podcast. Stupid? That That's kind of harsh. Maybe less than Sterling or, or like a mediocre podcast, but to call it stupid kind of hurts. I'm sorry. I'm sure I'll be in a much su sunnier place in, in a bit. Okay. All right. Dorothy. If you want me to give you a foot rub later, I can do that before you drop me off at my parents' house. Yeah. Maybe if we stop for frozen yogurt on the way, I could do it in the parking lot. Hey, can you two maybe keep your romantic activity to yourselves? Uh, some things just need to, you know, remain private. I think bringing up uh, foot rubs may have offended some of our listeners. If so, screw them. There's nothing wrong or scandalous about a good foot rub, you know? I yeah. often pay good money for mine, you know, as, as I'm, you know, currently without a for-free romantic partner. But let's just get this thing started. As I said earlier, this one is titled The Most Memorable Moment Episode, and I think it was you, Gerald, that suggested we explore this topic. Um, well, yeah. You know, I should mention that our original designated laugher, Gina, and our in-house troubadours, the folk singers in hell who I, you know, still feel were quite often cruel to me in their observations about me. Uh, you know, they are, anyway, they were both with us in the studio, too. Um, yeah, anyway. Dave, uh, roll the start of the show, if you would. So can we move on now? I, uh, I guess. Uh, you know, there is one thing I've wanted to discuss with you off the air, but maybe our listeners might find your response interesting. So can I ask you a question? Well, as long as it's not personal in nature, I still feel it best that we keep our relationship strictly on a professional level, which means no physical contact. That's number one. Uh, okay. Well, this is about your on-air questioning of celebrity Do not invade my space. Uh, I, I won't. I won't. But, you know, I always hear you ask them what their most memorable moment was, and I think the listeners would love to hear what your response would be to that are, question. Are you trying to shatter the talk show host celebrity unspoken agreement? Everyone no. in the industry knows a talk show host never, never answers answers a question that we ask a guest come on that would like level the playing field why would i do something so stupid well maybe because the listeners would enjoy hearing what you had to say you know a few of them actually do like you by answering what is your signature question it could maybe cement a bond between those few out there who consider themselves spud goodman fans gerald first of all don't assume anything about Spud. Sure, a few fans like him, but truthfully, most would rather rub his 
facing the mud. As he's no star, he's basically a total dud. Hey, hey, I, I may be a world-class talk show host, but I, I sincerely doubt anyone cares about my most memorable moment. Like, I've never been in like a hit movie or TV show, never written a best-selling book, never sang or played on a hit song, yeah. never even been in a porno. Off the air, I'm basically a pretty boring guy. Well, don't sell yourself short, Spud. You might have something to add that could really surprise people. Like, for instance... No, okay, of- the truth is, I mean, if I really was going to be honest, yeah, I do, but I- I'm not comfortable sharing it at this time, so let's just change the subject. Right now, let's... let's- I continue to feel my suggestion that you share your own response to what was your signature question during your years as a talk show host was on the money. I think you've always rejected any helpful input I've offered over the years. And I'm, I'm not going to lie here. I mean, this podcast is supposed to be an honest behind the scenes look at the Spud Goodman show. So so yeah, I know for a fact that the show would have been much more successful if you had just listened to me. Um, I both respectfully and disrespectfully disagree. Well, the show's ratings wouldn't have been any worse if you had taken any of the many suggestions Gerald has thrown out while I've been working on the show. Mm. I know most of them were really dumb, but... Occasionally, he came up with a couple halfway decent ideas. Why, thank you, Mrs. Jarvitz. That is very nice of you to say. I myself feel that a lot of my suggestions were oftentimes very helpful, and if Spud had listened to me, it would have improved the ratings of the show. Dorothy, maybe a couple weren't totally stupid. Don't take what she said and try to make it sound like you're some kind of idiot savant or something. Yeah, to be a real idiot savant, you have to say things that might sound simple but but contain inner depth and meaning. Uh, I don't see that with you, man. What is an idiot savant? I I don't think that's a compliment at all, Spud. Actually, it was Chance that called you an idiot savant? Well, I I never heard the word idiot attached to it. I I think a lot of great minds over the years have been overlooked for various reasons, uh, you know, until they pass on. Hopefully, I will be recognized before then in my life. I wouldn't get my hopes up on that one. But anyway, now we need to run my interview with actor and comedian Jim Gaffigan. He might be one of the most liked people in comedy as, you know, there are more than a few funny people that are not real nice people offstage. Uh, I won't name names here, but Jim is definitely not one of them. Everybody likes him. I thought this was supposed to be a brutally honest take on the show and the entertainment industry. Do you think being well, a wuss not being open with your opinion is the right thing to do? It's kind of like false advertising. Okay, fine. I will toss out one name. Jeff Roswell. There, I said it. Who is Jeff Roswell? Never heard of him. Well, he's a stand-up comedian who lives around here, you know, in the Seattle area. He does a a lot of open mics, and he always seems to be on the bill when I, you know, drop by one particular bar that I I enjoy, you know. He's he's very annoying, and I'm just going to say it. He steals the jokes all the time that were on, you know, the late-night talk shows, you know, the week or so before. And, you know, they never sound as funny when he tells them. Jimmy Kimmel's writers should sue him, you know, not not for stealing their material, but for butchering it, you know? Yeah, anyway, 
I feel better after getting that off my chest. Now can we run the segment with Jim Gaffigan, if no one minds? The, the show he was promoting back then was aired on the TV Land Network, which is now owned by Paramount. Uh, so I guess people can, can go try and stream them even now at both sites. I love Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. And this was before I worked here. So, yeah, let's run the interview. Okay. Please say hello to comedian, actor, and author Jim Gaffigan. Hey, as one of the funniest people on the planet, I want to thank you so much for checking in with us tonight. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's exciting to chat. All right, Jim, I need to get this in. Your show airs each Wednesday night at 10 p.m., 9 central, on TV Land. And coincidentally, it's titled The Jim Gaffigan Show, correct? It is, and I I had myself auditioned to play myself, and I... uh, I, you know, after some discussion, I ended up hiring myself, so it Super. worked out. Well, was that an easy sell? I mean, can I ask how many focus groups did it take before the network suits signed off on the name? You know, I'm just curious. TV Land might seem to no, be a little well, laid back, but, I mean, they, they do wear suits there. They're, they're not, like, in Casual Friday all the time, are they? No, they're, well, they're mostly Casual Friday at networks, but we made a point of, uh, when we were doing this, of, uh, making sure that we did the show that we wanted. And some of why I wanted to name the show the Jim Gaffigan Show is that I wanted to it, the show to retain my point of view. So, um, you know, my wife and I, uh, we wrote all the episodes. And, uh, you know, so we ended up, you know, we were reluctant to name it after me. But it's also, I didn't want to lose sight of that vision of, you know, it's like what works in my stand-up is what the show's about. And so um, I know that then hopefully that doesn't sound arrogant, but it's no, just kind no. of making the show work. Well, you know, the synopsis is, you know, the show's about balancing your, your character's life as a stand-up comedian with being the father of, of five kids. So here's my question. As an actual parent of five kids, I was just curious, if you ever had a sit-down with uh, David Keckner and shared notes, as he has five kids too, you know? Yeah, no, well, Keckner, um, when I guest hosted The Late Late Show, he was, uh, you know, I had him as a guest on the show yeah. intentionally for that reason. And, uh, you know, there's something, you know, crazy about the concept of having five kids and being a dad that, uh, you know, there's probably no coincidence that Kefner and I are both, you know, losing our hair because it's, it's no small task, but we, we do love it. Well, I don't have five kids, and I, I, I'm there, too. Yeah, I, I can, can see that, definitely. Well, you know, one night uh, David was supposed to call in, but he had to put the kids to bed first, so we got it done afterwards. So, you know, it's priorities. His kids do come first before stupid radio interviews, that's for sure. But, yeah, I can imagine you must have your hands full. That's all I can say. Oh, yeah. No, people always say that. Looks like you got your hands full. And, uh, and it's you know, it's definitely the case. And, you know, the weird thing is, like, working on this show, we... You know, we wanted, like, the fact that we have five kids to kind of inform the story, but it's not, it's not like a full house episode. It's very much um, about a comedian who happens to have five kids and, and what his life is like. All right. But the reviews have been great. Yeah, de- definitely on that one. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, it's looking good. Let's put it that way. Uh, well, let me ask you, food is something a lot of people think of when they hear, you know, the name Jim Gaffigan. And the topic is featured on the new show. Off the air, may I ask, what is your favorite snack food currently? 
Well, I'm a, a I, I really love uh, you know Mexican food, but you know I'm uh, I could probably eat like you know I've I've had a four cheeseburger day, you oh, know where super. you know you yeah um, for lunch and then just through the course of the rest of the day and night you end up having three other cheeseburgers. So it's like I think my cheese the cheeseburger is my kind of go to. Right, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Well, you've been in over 200 commercials, and I was wondering if you get a ton of free stuff, uh, like in food. Of course, I would be professionally negligent as a talk show host if I didn't at least ask if you were set up with, like, Hot Pockets for Life after including them in your, your stand-up special. Do you at least get a thank-you note from Nestle or something? No, no, you know, it's you know, it's not like I'm very positive about Hot Pockets, even well, though I yeah. think that I probably... You know, there's 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 no such thing as bad press. But True. I would say that um, you know I've gotten you know I tour around. You know I'm I'm about to begin this 30 city tour, and so I have gotten some free meals. Uh, you know uh, because I've been so complimentary of, and they know that I'm a food guy, and they know that you know I'll talk about it on Twitter if I enjoy the food. But other than that, there's not many freebies for me. All right, all right. Uh, well, you're also a best-selling author, having written two books, Dad is Fat and Later Food uh, Love Story, as both made the New York Times bestseller list. So now, do you like want to branch out and maybe do murder mysteries or spy novels? Because you must get hit up by literary agents all the time to crank some stuff out. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's so, you know, I mean, the books are fun, but, uh, you know, the TV show, it's something that I really feel like... Uh, you know, it's really uh, something that my wife and I kind of uh, have a knack for. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying I won't do another book, but it's a lot of work, you know. And um, there's something about the immediacy of stand-up that makes, um, you know, the pursuit of creative fulfillment, uh, you know, really a priority. And so, you know, I think I get that in stand-up. I enjoy doing the books, but it's not like something I'm dying to do. Well, and for the record, you are saying you actually did write them yourself then. Yeah, yeah. Right, that's for oh, the yeah. record. All right, we have that down on tape. All right, hey, the initial season of the Jim Gaffigan Show uh, is 11 episodes on TV Land. How many seasons, again, does it take to hit the syndication lottery like the Seinfeld and Friends crew? Because I'm betting you got a good shot at it. Well, you know, it's interesting because I think that you know, the um, the kind of classic network model of trying to get to 100 episodes is it's attractive. I mean, who doesn't want a big pile of money? But, right. I, you know, yes. we made a point of, like, uh, not going about this as uh, a money-making venture. You know, I make a good living as a comedian. So we really wanted to make the show that that we would want to watch and um, and you know if it if it ends up having a long life that's great but you know it, we just want to make sure that it's a show that we'd want to watch alright alright uh, well hey I understand you did a USO concert uh, in at Guantanamo Bay Cuba for military personnel in 2002 that was kind of a hairy time back then at the facility so they must have really appreciated you doing the show did, did they let any trustees in to see you too or was it all just military only yeah no it's military and uh, yeah no it's I've done some uh, a fair amount of stuff for uh, 
for the military and stuff like that. But you know that 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 Gitmo thing was, I mean, that was just surreal. You I know, bet. it's just, uh, you know, it was just this, um, you know, and it's like you look at it from a historical context. It's, you know, some people are like, you know, you're you were down there, and like some of these prisoners were not treated well. How do you feel about that? But. I don't know. It's like, I don't think there's enough we can do for our military. I don't think they're paid well. I don't think that they're treated the best when they come back. So. Absolutely. Yes, yes. But anyway, back to your new show with the family. Are you able to, like, make it a Monday through Friday deal? Speaking as a kid, you know, whose dad was always at the horse track seven days a week, losing my college fund. It's nice when a dad is, like, home on the weekends. Yeah, no, well, you know, the weird thing is, like, Doing the TV show, I, I was—I probably had more time with my kids when I was a stand-up comedian touring. Wow! Uh, than the TV show because it's a single-camera comedy. It takes a long time to shoot those, but um, it's—you know—it's all—it's all—it's all good. You know, it's not like we're doing 22 episodes. We're just doing—you know—we just did 10. We had already shot the pilot, but it's good. Is it like nine to five, or are you uh, are you uh, up late with the night? No, stuff? no, it's it can be like it, it can be like you know seven to you know eight ten. You know, it depends if there's night shoots or you know it's a long slot. That's for sure. All right. Well, maybe you can get home in time for maybe the oldest kid to tuck him in, then maybe or something like that. Yeah. yeah oh, right. definitely. Hey, Spen, all right. You know, both the wife and I are big fans of Jim. You know, it'd mean a lot to her if you could get him to maybe send an autographed hot pocket. I would send it to his people, of course. I wouldn't expect him to provide it himself. He must get millions of these requests, and and even though he probably gets a deal on them, that still would really add up over the years. You know the rule, no autograph requests for guests, all right, from staff? That is a hard and fast rule. But I'm more than just a staff member. I'm the co-host of the program. Temporary co-host. Temporary permanent co-host. Look, I will email the guy tomorrow and ask him about the Hot Pocket situation, but no way I'm going to hit him up right now for an autograph while I'm on the air. That is really tacky, not going to happen. So let me get back to the interview. All right, all right. Um... Yeah, my last question. What's been your most memorable moment as a member of the human race? That is, of course, my money question. My mem- most memorable moment as a member of the human race? I would say, uh, you know, I would say it's some moment with my kids. You know, that's definitely, um, you know, the, being a father is one of these weird things that it's hard to articulate, but it's a pretty special uh, situation, and I'm grateful for it. Well, hopefully someday maybe I'll experience that. All righty. I want to urge everyone to tune in to The Jim Gaffigan Show each Wednesday on TV Land, 10 p.m., 9 p.m. Central. Hey, man, I want to thank you again very much for checking in with us, all right? Thanks a lot. Take care. Mr. Jim Gaffigan. Hello, I'm Dr. Weiss. Uh, hi. Hi. Just so I'm clear, which one of you is here to discuss the procedure? Uh, just me. And these people? Well, these are my children. You understand it's not necessary to prove that you need a vasectomy. You know what, Doctor, I have a question. Um, in your medical opinion, which is more painful, a vasectomy or getting one's nails clipped? It's my wife. There's a history of mental illness in her family. Th- this is her friend, Daniel. He's also our real estate guy. I actually mostly work downtown if you're thinking about a move or lunch. Uh, I'm not, but thank you. How you doing, Dr. Weiss? Dave Marks, uh, Jim's best friend, stand up, I'm sure you've caught the act. 
You don't have any uh, free samples of penicillin by any chance? No. Nope. Okay. I'm just gonna. Any way out here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Yep. This is quite a group you have here, Mr. Gaffigan. And this is just a consultation. Can't wait to see how many people you bring to the actual procedure. You know, Spud. I'm still a little disappointed that you did not allow me to request a few Hot Pockets from Jim. Celebrities have staff to handle those things, so he would have never known anyone from the show asked. I, I think he was hesitant to say on the air that he probably had a garage full of those things. Jim strikes me uh, as a very modest man and, you know, didn't want to flaunt how much free stuff he actually gets. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, from from companies that want famous people to use their product uh, to influence other people. And I just wanted a case or two. They make a nifty late night snack. Yeah, it sure would have been nice if you were famous, bud. I know that all the stars give their personal assistants a lot of the free stuff they get. You would think an intern from a radio show or heck. Even now, a podcast could get hooked up with some cool stuff, too. You know, Joe Rogan's interns get their pick of the free stuff. You're blaming me I'm not famous enough to have companies send me their products? It's not like I didn't spend the last 25 years or so trying to be famous enough, you know, to get buttloads of free stuff. For, for some reason, it, it never happened, okay? But don't shoot the victim here. Well, hardly a victim. You can't force people to make you famous, Spud. They either like you or they don't. And the votes are in. They don't like you. Well, I don't know about that, but anyway, let's let's move on right now and, and play some of my interview with the musical guest on this episode and their performance. Uh, Battersea, a, a nice group of gentlemen who play catchy tunes. Uh, Dave, roll it. All right, it's musical guest interview time. Please welcome the band Battersea to the show. Gentlemen, please identify yourselves and your instrument of choice. Unless I would put you or your family in danger, then, then a no comment will suffice. I'm Eric Ryder. Uh, I play guitar and sing. Super. Hi, I'm Nate Marshall, and I'm the bass player. Super. And I'm BJ Robertson on the drum set. Very cool. All right. Um, hey, what would be the band's preference? Opening up for Radiohead one night only, or co-headlining an outdoor stadium tour with Limp Biscuit. <laughs> Probably Radiohead. Yeah, I think that's a safe bet. Otherwise, I might hurt myself or others. <laughs> Unanimity? Uh, same. Yeah. Same. All right, super. All right, <laughs> a team player. H how long can any of you go without hearing at least some music? I myself am an admitted addict that needs to feed the beast throughout the day. How about you guys? None at all. Zero. News only. Oh, super. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I got to hear music pretty often. Definitely. I hear it even if it's not playing. It's just, I think it's an illness. I guess you're wrong. It's just constantly going. Yeah, it's just happening. Mm -hmm. What was the last song uh, you guys had uh, either on your iPod or phone or whatever you, that you queued up? Oh. It's a personal question. I just wow. have a need to know. Uh, there's this uh, new band that I found called Prince Vaseline that have a great song called Radio On, and I think that was the last thing I listened to. It was great. All right. Hey, we've had Radio On on the show, but yeah, that's another band. It's great guys. Anyway. All right. So uh, what... What was your aha moment when you guys heard a band uh, when you were younger and knew, hey, I got to play in a rock band? Basically, what bands changed your life, I guess is what I'm saying. Wow. Uh, for me, it was probably Devo. I think for me, it was um, Iron Maiden, Number of the Beast era. I was given a pair of drumsticks, and I bought Thriller on cassette and some pillows, and I started beating her on pillows, and that's when I know. But it was pretty, I was like, oh, this is pretty easy, so... <laughs> 
All right, super. All right. Um, well, what's the name of the first song you guys are going to do? This one is called France. All right, let's do it. Today, my girl is a France, all right. My girl is a France today. My girl is a France. All right, now go. She's somewhere on the Champs-Élysées. The Arc de Triomphe is more triumphant today. Charles de Gaulle never had that strength. Search games, yes, Never wrote a song that's infectious as look that's on her face. And I say, I should say, I should say, beaucoup. Darling, I love you.
This is the Spud Goodman Show. Can I leave for a few minutes and go to the mini mart up the street? Find myself really craving a chocolate milk. Honey, I have two full cartons at my house. You should have said something. I would have brought one to the studio. It kind of just hit me that I really want some chocolate milk now. <laughs> no, no, you can't leave in the middle of this podcast, all right? Suck it up, you whiny Generation Zer. I mean, you kids have to learn to keep your desires under control. A little self-discipline, please. And you, you already browbeated my aunt into taking you for frozen yogurt when this thing's over anyway. <sighs> anyway. All right, well, right now we're going to play a call-in from my mother. May she rest in peace. Uh, Dave, uh, play it. Hey, uh, Spud, your mom, Safola, is holding. Should I put her on? Well, what am I supposed to say? No. <laughs> okay. She's my here, mom. Here she is. Spud, my baby, I was sort of listening to your show tonight and thought I heard that Gerald or whatever his name is ask you to share your own most memorable moment with everyone. I think that is the most important question you ask a guest, and I know your listeners feel the same way. Mom, 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 could your opinion have anything to do with this question was your idea many years ago huh? when I first started in cable TV, remember? You know, when I asked you what would be some good questions to ask celebrity guests, and all you said was just ask them what their most most memorable moment was. And, and now after all these years, I have to ask everyone that one, as people expect it. But damn, it's so lame. It's embarrassing to ask. Uh, you know, Mrs. Goodman, you know, I'm the temporary permanent co-host of your son's show. Who said that? This is Gerald Holcomb, ma'am. Never heard of you. So, Spud, don't you think your listeners would love to hear what my most memorable moment is? I've lived such a rich life, and there are so many possible stories I could tell. Uh, Mom, uh, don't take this wrong, but that question only really works with famous celebrities. No one really cares what the most memorable moment is for regular people. It's just the way it is. Yeah, I, I would agree. Celebrities are the top priority in our society. J just look at all the people perusing the tabloids at the checkout counter and at grocery stores. They're obsessed. There are all kinds of perversions. I tell this story about when I lost my virginity. That one is no, a real no. proud. No, 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 you're not telling that story again, okay? So is, is there anything else? You, I, I got I got to get going here. Uh, Mrs. Goodman, unless your first sexual experience was with a famous person, it's probably best to keep that one within the family. Well, he was pretty well known in our neighborhood. He was an up-and-coming gangster from what I heard. At his age, I think he was 17, he had his own street corner. Hmm. Mom, the, the last time he told that story, and I, I think it was like at a family reunion, maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago, and then you said the guy was the paper boy, something about hooking up with him when he came to collect. He had a legit job as a paper boy, too, to launder the money he made on the corner, if I remember right. Okay, Mom, I am running behind, so i got to go. I love you. Uh, all righty. I love you, too, sweetheart. Toodles. Call me tomorrow. Yeah. Hey, hey, could one of the interns go score me some Cool Ranch Doritos at the Mini Mart up the street for me? I mean, I just have this, like, uncontrollable urge for them right now. And it's hard doing this talk show thing on an empty stomach. I think I'm also kind of getting lightheaded, so maybe an orange Gatorade, too. I need to keep my electrolytes up. Uh, yeah, I guess they can do that. Do, do you have cash on you? You know, I did. I left my wallet in the car. Oh. Just, just, just give them 10 bucks. Uh, okay. And I'll pay you back this time for sure. All right, all right. But, you know, I think the Doritos and Gatorade, they only maybe cost five bucks. Yeah, but time is money, even if they are interns, all right? I don't expect them to go to the store and not get something for themselves. 
Jeez, what a cheapskate. Well, no, no. I, I was just trying to make the point that $5 should do it as far as your purchase. Uh, they can maybe get a Gatorade, too, if they want. Gerald. Hey, our interns bust their butts working for free on this show. I know. And we can't buy them a snack? Man, you are one hardcore libertarian. Fine. <laughs> Trent, here's a 20. That's, that's all I have. So uh, buy yourself something, too, if you want. Just bring me back the change, would you? Hey, if you are, if you gave him a, you give him a twenty, all right. Twenty. Hey, hey, Trent, get me a couple of those hot dogs they got there. Uh, they're not bad. Just, just mustard and a little relish. Anything sure you say, Mister Goodman. They're not the old ones that have been spinning for like a week. The, got oh. it. Oh, he's. Got, you know, I might have wanted something too. Oh, well, I guess he's gone. So you should have said something earlier. Anyway, let's get this. Sh- uh, wait. I don't remember when the show was recorded, but. You, Spud, can just order an intern to drop everything, go get you stuff from the mini-mart? I get it. It's do as I say, not as I do, right? You can satisfy your hunger and thirst needs as the host, but the little people have to suck it up. Wow. Babe, he has never been one to follow his own advice. Just let it go. Chance, if it makes you feel any better, my needs have never been addressed, either over the years. Uh, I can remember many shows where my stomach was growling and I was totally parched. But I was told to address my needs prior to going on the air, all the while when Spud would be snacking on something and he had a beverage handy. Hey, I did most shows with just my Pepto. Very seldom did I eat or drink in front of others here in the studio. I, well, I am not a monster. <sighs> okay, okay. right now we're going to, uh, I guess we're supposed to, to get back to the topic of this particular episode. Uh, me answering the most memorable moment question. I ask celebrity guests. It's still a dumb idea. Uh, anyway, Dave, roll it. Anyway, let's get the show back on track. Yeah, you know, Spud, you still have not shared your most memorable moment. Uh, Like I said, your listeners over the years have heard you ask each of your guests this question, and you've never offered your own response. This would be a good time to share it with everybody. I I could, but if I did, then there'd be nothing left of me for people to wonder about. There has to be some mystery left. That's what kills most marriages, people knowing everything there is to know about someone. Next thing you know, your spouse is cruising Ashley Madison twice a day. But don't displace your anger from three failed marriages towards a website. Just because your wives all told you to go fly a kite, there is no reason to blame anyone but you for your current plight. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that statement. Uh, my wife and I know each other very well, and we just celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary. Yeah, yeah, but have you checked her web browser history lately? Pretty sure you're going to find something sketchy there. Well, I'll <laughs> check it out. Outside of Pinterest and Facebook, Rachel steers clear of most everything else, especially yeah, a website yeah, right, that right. might be inappropriate. <laughs> huh. yeah. yeah, right, and I never cheat on my taxes. Oh. Scratch that example for the record. I would never do that. <laughs> we're going with that. So, uh, yeah, you know what? My, my wife has very good common sense yeah. while using the internet. Yeah, if you I'll say so. Say hey, that. can you just check and see? I still don't buy your wife doesn't at least check out a few websites that, you know, might be a bit embarrassing for her. You know, should should you track her browsing history? Everyone has a few places they visit that it's it's best that it remains on the down low, okay? I mean, that's what going incognito on Google is for. It, it saves a hell of a lot of marriages. Yeah, my wife wouldn't even know what going incognito even is. It, it sounds very illegal. Gerald, for sure your wife has gone incognito a few times. I mean, she is human, right? 
Oh, one of the things I'm most proud of about my relationship with Chance is that we both never have to go incognito on Google when we surf the net. There's nothing to be ashamed of with an occasional visit to an adult video website. Oh, I can assure everyone that my wife, Rachel, would never... Yeah, Ever. right, 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 right. And now we're going to play, you know, some of my interview with Cherie Curry, former member of the rock band The Runaways. Uh, you know, they were quite the thing back in the day with her, Joan Jett, and Lita Ford. Uh, and uh, she has led a very interesting life, you know, exploring things outside of the rock business, too. Uh, Dave, run it. All right, please welcome to the show rock musician, actor, author, painter, substance abuse counselor, and world-class chainsaw carving artist, Cherie Curry. How you doing tonight, Cherie? <laughs> I'm fine, Spud. Wow, that was uh, impressive. Yeah, That's I, an impressive resume. It is, it is. And, and we're talking about you. And you also have a new record out titled Reverie uh, that was produced by your son, J.K.'s, and it's now available on iTunes. Is that all correct? That is correct, yes. I mean, you can get the physical CD uh, through my web store, which is Cherie Curry Direct. Um, but yes, yes, it's, it's a really fun album, and uh, very proud of it. Super. Well, let me start at the beginning, because that seems like a, like a smart place to, to start. Um, you led a semi-normal life, uh, right, for a teenage girl living in the San Fernando Valley. You enjoyed, what, skateboarding, I don't know, surfing, probably shopping. And then at 15, with no prior experience, you're asked to be the lead singer in a band that became The Runaways. Was that like extreme confidence or total naivete that motivated you to like jump in and just go for it? Well, um, hmm, yeah, I was a surfer and I was a skateboarder and all that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, but I, I started. Uh, my friend Paul Lesperance uh, turned me on to David Bowie and Susie Quattro, and uh, and I really, um, when I went to see David Bowie in concert at the Universal Amphitheater, his Diamond Dogs tour, uh, I, I was just hooked, and something inside me just said, you can do this, and, and I, I'd actually set my mind to it uh, before I met Joan and, uh, and Kim Fowley. Super. Well, the Runaways, what, were, were the first all-female rock band that, you know, obviously led the way to many other women later forming punk bands and, you know, kind of saying, hey, what's up with just the all-male vi male vibe, you know, in rock? So, I mean, you guys were beyond trailblazers. Uh, is, uh, I got to ask you, though, the one I wanted to say was you later headlined, right? And you had all-male bands opening up for you. So did you, Lita Ford, Joan Jett, or Sandy West experience like like blowback, animosity, jealousy from the guys in those bands? No, well, um, no. Uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Cheap Trick. I mean, they were just terrific. I mean, we really, uh, we were very blessed with a lot of these guys. That we ended up bringing them out here to Los Angeles and uh, and working with them, doing gigs here like the Santa Monica Civic, and you know, in '76. Uh, but yeah, we did get blowback usually when we were opening for some male bands such as Rush. I mean, they weren't all that kind, but oh, you know, so um, what happened? But I also have to say that we were the first uh, teenage rock and roll group, um, I, uh, all female, because I know there were other female groups uh, before us, but um, but we were the first teenage uh, female rock band. 
And I, I think the genre you guys uh, assumed, I, I, I saw it as unique, and I'm old enough to have been around. Uh, I didn't see anybody else like you guys, so I'll just put it that way. So, um, Yeah, well, you're, you're right. You're right. Um, so your work with the late producer Kim Fowley, uh, he played a big part in your career, obviously. Uh, how much of an influence did he have on not just the L.A. rock scene, but internationally? Uh, well, you know, you just have to look at his resume. And, um, you know, Kim was truly brilliant, brilliant. And, and what I really appreciate is that I had a chance to work with him before he passed away, and not being a teenager, being an adult, being, you know, 55 years old, and to be able to really, really see his process, and my son as well, is something that I think is invaluable, not only for Jake, but for but for me, I mean, I, I didn't even quite grasp how brilliant the man was. And uh, just one of the best lyricists, on-the-spot lyricists I've ever, ever seen. If, if I could ask this, you, you were, from what I understand, you were kind of part of the, uh, the caregiving team, correct, towards the, end of the, towards the end of his life? Yes, a couple months before he passed away, he did come move into my house. Um, he was here for nine days, but took very ill, uh, and he had to have another surgery. And uh, I'm out in the west end of the San Fernando Valley, so they chose to keep him closer to the hospital. So even though I would have loved to have uh, kept him longer, it uh, it just wasn't it wasn't going to work. He needed to be very close to the hospital. His particular cancer hospital, yes. Okay. Um- well, in your memoir, Neon Angel, you described a pretty wild scene during the Runaways' uh, rise and later, I guess, demise. Uh, would it have gone much different without, you know, the drugs and alcohol, or was that, like, inevitable that the band was going to experience it because you guys were so dang young, you know? <laughs> well, you know what? It, you have to, I have to say it was the culture of the 70s. I, it just was. So many people don't really understand that. Um... You know, it, it, it almost seemed to me like if you didn't do drugs, there was something wrong with you. I mean, because it just was commonplace. You know, cocaine and quaaludes, you know, two and all classrooms, all that kind of stuff just was part of the club scene. It was, uh, and being young, you, you really, you just, you fall into it and you just uh, do what other people are doing. You know, that's kind of the thing. Uh, and, um, yeah, that's what happened. Well, uh Am I, would I be correct in saying there was not a whole lot of adult supervision or at least maybe appropriate adult supervision during those years? No, there was not. Uh, well, no. Um, and especially on the road, uh, we didn't have, except for Europe, where uh, Jackie Fuchs had her mother come, who was a registered nurse, uh, to be, um, you know, kind of watch over us. And then also we had a gal from Capitol Records come with us to Japan. But our Stores were always just us and the roadies and a manager, Scott Anderson. All right. So, Spud, if I may, the thought just occurred to uh, me. No, Gerald, not this time, okay? Just butt out. <laughs> I'm enjoying my interview with Cherie, so just just zip it. Right, right. Got it, got it. Just, I, it's just an amazing story that all that could be thrust upon such, you know, young girls. It's, it, it, it's an interesting story, obviously. And, gosh, guess what? They made a movie about your book. Uh, so when you first saw the 2010 movie, The Runaways, uh, based on your book, uh, just how weird was it seeing like Dakota Fanning on the screen living your life? Yeah, you know what? I, 
I really wish I could pinch myself and make me really believe it happened because it's to me still I, I don't believe uh, of course Dakota was is one of my favorite actors of all time and uh, it was a, a really a dream come true it really really was and I think that Kristen Stewart was amazing as Joan Jett and uh, Michael Shannon was you know exceptional as Kim Fowley I thought it was terrific yeah, Michael Shannon is one of the all-time. I mean, he's he's a great. I just I just think he's just fantastic. But um, oh, and a wonderful guy too, a really good guy. Right. Um, you know, it's kind of my goal to see someday. You know, my life story uh, in a film. It's, it's probably you know maybe like Andy Dick could play me. It'd, it'd go straight to video, but it'd be so cool. I mean, <laughs> that, that I don't know. I just that it's pretty neat that you had you know a movie and it was based on your book. So um, yeah. Uh, well, that leads me into my question of acting. Uh, because after you left the band, you were pretty successful being cast in a number of movies and television programs. Did you, did you find the same level of enjoyment going in front of the cameras as you know playing a character as you, as you did fronting a band? Well, I did. I, I, I loved both of them equally. Um, I mean, the stage has always been something I'm just really comfortable uh, doing. And um, acting was, you know, a bit more challenging, but I, I, uh, I really did enjoy it very much. Well, I was very lucky with great actors as well. Yeah, I mean, you were in, you were involved in some pretty uh, prestigious projects, and uh, the, I mean, you 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 acted with with Jodie Foster, correct? And you had, I mean, besides other gigs that you had, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't exactly like you were doing uh, extra parts. I mean, you were you just stepped right in there, correct? Right. Yeah, my first film was Foxes, and uh, and Jodie was terrific. She really was, and. Very supportive, uh, you know, throughout the filming. And um, I know her mother didn't really, uh, we had a rehearsal like before we started shooting and Brandy was not happy because I was very nervous in the rehearsal. But once the, the camera rolled, uh, you know, I, I did my job. Okay. Uh, well, let's talk about your job. Away from showbiz, uh, in terms of employment, you've led a very interesting life. You actually later worked as a substance abuse counselor, is that correct? Where'd you work? I did, at Coldwater Canyon Hospital. Um, this was in the mid-80s. This was a, I started a couple of years after uh, I got sober in 1984, mm-hmm. and I started out at tech and, um, for $3.50 an hour and uh, stayed there for about a year, and then uh, they thought I possessed the quality of being a counselor. I went to school and became a drug counselor for kids. You're also known as a renowned chainsaw carver. Uh, how did you take up this art form? Because most people don't have a chainsaw hanging around in their apartment. <laughs> I mean, I've carved some crazy stuff. I think the craziest thing I've ever carved was a, uh, for a knife company, and it was a, a crazed goat with a butcher knife. Wow. <laughs> Super. So, but I've done stuff for the NAM show. I've uh, you know, I competed in major competitions in 2005 and placed highly in two of them. And, you know, it's just something that I've um, I've really enjoyed doing for 15 years. My gosh. Uh, well, I wanted to ask you this because I ask this of all my guests, actually. But uh, for you, you have so many options. Um, this is my question. What's been your most memorable moment to this point in your life? I mean, you got so many options. Can you just pick one up? most memorable moment has to be uh, the birth of my son. Okay. Uh, probably not what you expected to hear, but, you know, uh, J- Jake is uh, 
he really is, uh, I feel, the reason why I was put on the planet. I mean, the kid's, the kid's so talented. He just uh, signed to a major record deal. Um, and he's he actually left yesterday on tour. And uh, I think that's, that's the greatest thing that ever happened to me is, is to see my son going on and doing things that, that I was never able to. To complete as a young person right. in the Runaways, due to my drug addiction and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, it's great to see him uh, be so talented. I'm very, very proud of that. All right, super. All right, then. Uh, once again, I want to say this: as I stated, you have a new album out, Reverie, correct? Available now on iTunes. So I want right or. Or through Sheree uh, Curry Direct. That's right. right. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time to call in tonight. Hopefully, you know, we'll talk again. I would love that. Fun! Super. Ms. Sheree Curry. Can't stay at home. You know, I don't think I've ever heard of the song Cherie's Band recorded uh, until this episode. What was it called again? Uh, Cherry something? Cherry Bomb. Uh, The album it was on only sold a few million copies. Oh, back in the day, I was a fan of the Runaways. I really liked the strong female image of their band. Dorothy, do you have any of their music on like an eight track tape or whatever you bought back then i'd like to listen to that band if you still have it oh um i believe i bought their record oh an album i'll see if i can locate it later tonight okay okay anyway i guess we're now going to go to the wrap-up of this episode i don't think much was resolved if i remember right uh dave hit it Oh, man. Would it make it any easier for you if I shared my most memorable moment with the listeners? Who who wants to hear a co-host's most memorable moment? If you must know mine, well, I was actually saving it for my funeral. It's in my will to, like, have it read to the many, many mourners that will be attending. And I'm assuming that it's going to be a standing room only event. And, you know, maybe we'll have to set up a big screen outside for the spillover crowd who couldn't get in. (laughs) You know, that's the worst part of dying, you know, not knowing how many people actually came to your funeral. I hope I'm still somewhere in that white light area a lot of people go to so I can look down and Check it out for myself. You know, let, let's hope your death will be many years down the road. By then, most listeners from tonight will have forgotten it, so you can go ahead and tell no, it like it no, is. No, no way anyone's going to forget my most memorable moment if really? I shared it right now. It involves a night in a hotel with a former heavyweight champion of the world. That's my teaser, and I think that's all I'm going to say. You slept with a champion of what? A, no. A wrestler? Or Jared from Subway? No. What heavy person no, did you have No, a boxer, a very famous heavyweight champ, and I didn't oh. say I had sex with him. Jeez, I just, he just let me hang out with him at the hotel. <laughs> you, you know, I must say this, though. This has kind of been a, a pretty effective promo for my future funeral. Yeah, you know, but you probably got a couple good years left, Spud. Uh, hey, you may be a little younger than me, but you could choke on an Aaron chicken bone at any meal, so the age difference oh. balances out. No, no, no. I, listen, I'm careful. I remember what happened to George Bush. He almost choked to death on a pretzel or peanut or something. Eating can be dangerous. A peanut is not dangerous, except in the hands of one George Bush. Pretty much anything he touches is at best a push. So why the hell does Fox News continue to 
kiss his tush. Yeah, big surprise, W. Couldn't even eat a snack food without screwing it up. Anyway, all right, I am Spud Goodman. Be all you can be, and I mean that. You know, I'd forgotten how you used to disparage former President George W. Bush in those days. Uh, I guess you couldn't kick the habit later with the greatest president of all time, Donald J. Trump. It's my calling, okay? And, and you, you can't really compare W. with Trump. I mean, yeah, he started a war in the Middle East uh, under a, a total lie of WMDs, but now he looks like Mother Teresa compared to Trump. He's really lucky that twice-impeached wannabe dictator came around because history's going to be a lot kinder to him now. Is this thing over? Jeez, let's just end it now. Okay, okay. I just have a, a couple things to say first. I am, you know, really? in, in essence— You have something to say that just has to be said. It is his job to close the podcast, Chance. I mean, sure, any one of us could do it, but he is the host. Yeah, that's right. I am the host. You know, sometimes I feel others on this podcast do not give me my due respect. Well, I'm with Chance. Let's end this show now, please. I'm a bit hungry myself, too. Fine. Okay, then. Whatever. Jesus. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Is everyone happy now? Yes. Absolutely. I guess, but I really would have appreciated an opportunity to address, you know, to do my own. You've been listening to the Spud Goodman Radio Show. No more a waste of your time than other vacuous programs currently on the air. The show is written and directed by Spud Goodman, produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Original music by Michael Spott and Tom Harmon. Executive producer is Lori Manson. Video director is TJ Pikes. Our interns are Trent Botello and Anna Howell. Spud's Greek chorus is the folk singers in hell. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicist. Opinions expressed on this show do not reflect those of the station. The sponsors or any living person except Spud Goodman. Copyright 2015 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show Podcast, copyright 2023 Spud Goodman Productions.